Welcome back to the Florida Travel Fanatics podcast. I'm Clark. I'm Heather. And welcome to episode 16, How to Enjoy Fishing in Florida. Before we get into fishing, uh, we wanted to let you know that we would love it if you could reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Podcasting is a great technology, but it's what I call one directional, where you get the podcast and we don't get direct communication with any of you for ideas about shows. We'd love to hear from you, get your thoughts on our content, idea for future episodes. We just created a Facebook group so you can post comments about our episodes, ask a question, or share some ideas you may have. 20% of our listeners are in Florida, and we'd love their ideas and your ideas on Florida travel as well. The group is set to private, but all you need to do is click on the button on the right-hand side of the screen that says Join Group, and we'll approve it. The link to this will be in the episode notes as usual. And again, you're free to send us messages on Instagram or Twitter. We would just love to hear from you. We now have a way for listeners to make monthly donations to support our show. It can be as little as $3 a month, and there's no commitment, and you can cancel any time. If you're enjoying our podcast, we really would appreciate your support. That'll help support the cost and time we put into producing each episode. We'll put a link in the episode notes to sign up, and you can use Google Pay or a credit card. It's with a company called Buzzsprout, who's our podcast hosting company. In our last episode, we talked about bike riding in Florida, and we mentioned that one of our favorite rides is on the Courtney Campbell Causeway, across Tampa Bay, between Tampa and Clearwater, we just posted a YouTube video, including drone footage, and we'll put a link to that video in our episode notes. In the latest Florida travel news, one of the most famous chefs in the world has set his sights on Miami. Massimo Botoro, whose restaurant Osteria... French fish china? Uh, yes. I, I need my uh, daughter who's t- fluent in Italian to be able to, to help me out with that. Um, and it's in Modena, Italy. Uh, he has earned three Michelin stars, which three is the max that you can get for a restaurant. So the fact that he in one yeah. single restaurant has um, – and he also has additional one-star restaurants. He has a restaurant in Dubai, and he's going to be taking that model and moving it to Miami, according to Eater. And if you haven't heard of Eater, Eater is a food and dining guide, www.eater.com. Like he's a real eater? He's a real eater. Yes, exactly. Or she. So the plan is to open Torno Subito on the rooftop of Julia and Henry's. And that's another side note that Julia and Henry's is going to be a seven-story food, bar, and entertainment space. And it's on the corner of Flagler and 2nd Avenue um, in the historic Walgreens building, which I kind of get a kick out of because all Walgreens are on corners. That's their... They've always been on the corner. They have always been on the corner. And they even have a tagline on the corner of happy and healthy or something like that. So what better place to have an eatery than in a Walgreens? Walgreens. Yeah. And Julian Henry's has not opened yet. It's scheduled to open in March, I believe. Yeah. Spring of 2023. And it's going to have, I mean, did I say that? That there's going to be over 20 eateries yeah, but, yeah. in there. So that's going to be phenomenal. And they're going to have podcasting and podcasting studios on the business floor. Yeah, that'll be Just in case fun. we want to do a podcast on the road. But that'll be a fun place to check out. There's some cool things going on in that building. We will be down there. And it's named for Julia and Henry Flagler, who was the oil magnet. They was called magnate of standard oil like the Rockefellers. And he also, he helped build the railroad on the east coast of Florida, all the way to the Keys. Henry Plant built the railroad on the west side of Florida. So here in Tampa, there's a bunch of plant things, plant city, plant museum, plant high school. So these are the railroad people that ran the track down both sides of the state. It comes as no surprise that travelers still want to visit Miami Beach and Key West in 2023. Not a whole lot has changed with the sunshine and the beaches and the nightlife. But apparently many tourists are also longing to travel to Cuba. We were there in 2018 and absolutely had a fantastic time. 
We spent um, one day traveling out of Fort Lauderdale, cruising to our own state and getting into Key West, spent a day in Key West, and then ended up um, in Cuba for two days, and then back to Fort Lauderdale. It was a short cruise, but it was absolutely beautiful. And so I can see why everyone would like to go there. In its annual Traveler's Choice Destination Awards for 2023, online traveler company TripAdvisor reports that Miami Beach is number five and Key West is number seven in the top 10 most popular destinations in the United States for travelers. It doesn't surprise us that the other popular in-country destinations are New York, Las Vegas, Oahu, Maui, New Orleans, Charleston, Nashville, and Chicago. If you have a runner in your family or a swimmer or even a bike rider, Bush Gardens is holding its eighth annual Tampa Bay Kids Triathlon on Saturday, April 9th at their water park Adventure Island. Kids 6 to 14 can participate, and it's all contained within the park. It's a $50 registration fee. They don't have the distances for the swim bike run posted, but it looks like it's going to be pretty short. I wish I could do that because that's probably the only triathlon I would be able to ever finish. So part of the swim portion of the triathlon is in their lazy river, which really, really sounds like fun. Totally feels like my speed. I'd like it if they could do a triathlon like this for me. Yeah, they didn't list the distances. It's got to be pretty short because they they run on the beach apparently as part of the run and it's within a water park. So it can't be like. Three, and a lazy river, miles. but it yeah. should be a really, really fun event. Yeah, that looks like fun. Uh, the first 400 people to sign up get a free pass to stay in the park the rest of the day. And part of that $50 registration fee is kids get a nice Under Armour shirt to commemorate the occasion. With the great weather in Florida in the spring, it's music festival season here in Florida. So let's go through a few of the things that are coming up. The Tortuga Music Festival is April 14th, 15th, and 16th on the beach in downtown Fort Lauderdale. This is a country music festival, and there's a really impressive list of musicians, including our favorite, Kenny Chesney, Mm. Yeehaw, Shania Twain, Eric Church, Jake Owen, The Wallflowers, Wiz Khalifa, and Cole Swindell. Welcome to Rockville is a four-day rock music festival being held on the grounds of the Daytona Speedway from May 18th to May 21st and includes some really well-known bands like Slipknot, Rob Zombie, Kings of the Stone Age, Tool, one of my favorites, Pantera, Godsmack, Alice Cooper, Avenged Sevenfold, Deftones, Incubus, and Evanescence. You'll be on. You'll be at the concert. I'll be on the beach. You will be. Heather will not go to this concert with me if I go. <laughs> uh, they did have Metallica headline last year. This is one of the biggest festivals in the country this year, uh, every year, and it's at the, uh, the the Speedway. It's a huge place. They got multiple stages. There is RV and tent camping on site, and there are some nearby campgrounds near the track that you can go if those are sold out. Most of them already are, but this is a big festival and something that a lot of the a lot of people come down for. We were just at the Tampa RV show looking at travel trailers, and for those. Those of you who know RVs, we think we've narrowed it down to a 26-foot Keystone travel trailer yeah. travel trailer with a king bed. Yeah. So <laughs> that's definitely, um, you know, I think I, I think it's going to be fun to be able to do some of these music festivals and not, not actually heat all day long. Camp. Yeah, camp. Not in camp a tent. in a tent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At a, at a NASCAR track. Right, right, exactly. One of the biggest festivals in Miami is every year is the Ultra Music Festival. That's a three-day techno electronic dance festival held at Bayfront Park. That's a big, big festival, the biggest in the world for this kind of music, with well-known artists such as Tiesto, Armin Van Buren, David Gaeta, Carl Cox, Hardwell, Zed, 
Eric Prids, and Gareth Emery, to mention a few. There are now many uh, ultra festivals all over the world, but this festival in Miami started it all back in 1999. After a break from the pandemic, Ultra returned last year in 2022 and had a three-day attendance of 165,000 people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot, that's of, a people. lot of people. But that's a big festival. It's a big deal in Miami. It's a lot of fun. Well, if you're a strawberry fan, the strawberry fest, the Florida Strawberry Festival in Plant City, which is east of Tampa, is March 2nd through the 12th. It's like a big state fair with a lot of really good bands and artists performing, including Hailstorm, Ludacris, Josh Turner, CeCe Winans, Tanya Tucker, and uh, for King and Country, Wayne Newton. We saw Wayne Newton in... Um, Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah, yeah. He's great. He's good. He's really good. Don Shane. Yeah. yeah. Train, Leonard Skinner, and Willie Nelson. There's about 10,000 people expected there. The prices range from $25 to $60, depending on which um, attractions you want to go in and see and whether it's depending a, on the a separate con- concert yeah. thing um, and that kind of thing. But I think it's really fun, especially being a chef that I know when the Florida strawberries come in. I mean, they're just so plentiful, and it's really one of the biggest indicators of local produce. Sometimes you you know you don't know where your produce is coming from. So much of it comes from Florida, but strawberry season you definitely know. Yeah, Plant City. There are some huge strawberry fields. When it yeah. comes in, everybody knows it's it is kind of a deal. Uh, it's a lot of fun. One of these days, I'm going to roll my window down as we drive through there, so I can see if smell I can smell the strawberries. strawberries. Okay. Yeah, stop and smell the strawberries. strawberries. Yeah, 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 definitely. So if you like reggae, reggae rise up is in downtown St. Petersburg at the Vinoy Park on March 16th through the 19th. Performers include Wiz Khalifa, which he's going to yeah, be he's, at another Wiz one. Wiz is getting around. He apparently. is getting around. Yeah. Uh, Damian Marley, of course you'll recognize Marley. Marley. And 311. That's 311, by the way, Heather. Oh. I had to look it up. I wasn't sure. I'm not a big 311 fan. They're fun. They're actually kind of reggae-ish pop rock, by the way, for you who's not a reggae person. I may go down to this. I, I like reggae. Go check it out. So for the 311. 311, yeah. yeah. For the 311. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. On the same weekend in Tampa is the Innings Festival. That's March 16th through the 19th. And it's a baseball spring training inspired festival. It's held on the grounds of Raymond James Stadium. It's a two-day festival, and that's going to include Dave Matthews, Weezer, Pitbull, and Marcus Mumford with Mumford and Sons. There's one in Phoenix, too, and we had talked about um, the Cactus League and And the Grapefruit League, League, and that's where it lines up. There's one in Phoenix for the Cactus League leak spring training as well. So lots, I mean, if you have a kid that likes baseball, this is definitely one to take your kids to. Yeah. They're going to have some appearances by some well-known uh, baseball players, retired guys, John Crook and people like that. I'm a big Dave Matthews band fan. So I may very well go down there just to see, yeah, see Dave. That's a good, good one. Time. The Tampa Bay Blues Festival is April 14th, 15th and 16th in downtown St. Petersburg. Again, at the same Vineyard Park. It includes well-known blues and jazz artists, Tower of Power, Robert Cray, the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Tab Benoit. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I like that Thunderbird song, Tough Enough. That's my favorite of their songs. The Seabreeze Jazz Festival is April 19th through 23rd in Panama City Beach and will feature top jazz artists like George Benson and Boney James. Tickets are sold out, but there are resale tickets available. The first weekend of May is Sunfest, located in downtown West Palm Beach. The lineup has not been announced, and we'll let you know when it's out. Uh, about 100,000 people a year attend that festival in, in uh, West Palm Beach. So there are always additional festivals coming up in Florida. We'll talk about those in the future. I definitely re- recommend the ones in St. Pete. 
St. Pete's just such a beautiful yes. area on the water. You get great breezes. Yeah, Vanoit Park is right down by the waterfront in downtown St. Pete, and there's lots to do down there. Even and there's always food the trucks. There's always the regular restaurants that are down there. Lots of streets closed closed off that you can walk around and just really enjoy being outside. Yeah, sunny sure. and seventy five most of the time yes. here. Lastly, the major theme parks in Florida, you know, Disney, Universal Studios, Busch Gardens in Tampa, they have lots of concerts throughout the spring season and into the early summer. Uh, bands such as Kansas, Goo Goo Dolls, Patti LaBelle, Lauren Daigle, Three Doors Down, 38 Special. Oh, Air, Air Supply. Supply. Heather loves Air Supply. I, I do. Don't. We've had a band on it in our house for a really yes. long time. Dustin Lynch, Jeremy Camp, and Flo Rida. So you could say Flo Rida in, in Florida. Florida. Yeah, I've seen Flo Rida. He's terrific. He did some of the theme music for uh, the movie The Hangover. He's, yeah. he's really good. You don't need to buy a ticket for these. It's free if you have standard park admission that day. So that's like that's really nice to yes. pay for. Well, concerts are so expensive lately. You go, a lot of the concerts are 60 70 80 100 bucks. If you pay for park admission or if you get a season pass, for $14 a month or $18 a month with free parking, you can go see all these shows for free. They go on for weeks. There's a lot of good ones. So it's definitely a great way to have some cheap fun. Yeah. So if you are going to Disney, the concerts are going to be at Epcot. So if you're planning on going to one of those parks, schedule your, and your schedule's flexible, schedule it around the concerts because it's included in your price. So yes, but most of them are on the weekends, obviously. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these are in conjunction with like other festivals that are going on, food and wine or Mardi Gras, that's kind of a theme thing to get people to come to the park. But to see these bands for the price of admission is something that's that's really cool. And these are top level. At times, arts. the price of admission seems high, but then again, the price for a concert seems high. So if you can blend them together, it makes for a great day. Moving on to our main content for this episode, let's talk about how to enjoy fishing in Florida. So we're going to go through several different topics here. We're going to talk about fishing charters, party boats, surf fishing, freshwater fishing, spear fishing, and scallop and lobster seasons, which is going to surprise a few of you. So if we start with charters, so charter fishing in Florida generally falls into two categories, inshore and offshore. So just so everybody knows what this means, both types are available throughout the state, including the Keys. Inshore is exactly what it sounds like, where you're fishing in tributaries and bays and not in open water. Tampa Bay, due it to its shallowness, is really popular for inshore fishing, and you can catch some really tasty fish like snapper, Redfish, flounder, mackerel, grouper. 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 It's grouper. Kayak fishing has become really popular for inshore fishing in the last decade. I recently went out and bought a new kayak paddle at a local store, and they only sold fishing kayaks and accessories. They didn't sell regular recreational kayaks. It was only for fishing. Uh, That's how popular it's become. Offshore fishing is when you go several miles out on a boat to deeper water and bigger fish, including goliath grouper, cobia, giant permit, snapper, amberjacks, sharks, barracuda, a billfish, and tuna. So the general rule, the deeper the water, the better and bigger the fish are, just what fish do. And the further offshore you go, the better you get. It's quicker to go offshore on the East Coast, just the way the, the geography is under the water. Tampa Bay, you have to go further out. You can get out to deep water, but if you're a deep water offshore person, you're going to be better off fishing off on the East Coast. For both inshore and offshore charters, plan on spending $600 for a half day and 1000 to 2000 for a full day, plus a 10 to 20% tip for the captain and the mate. Uh, charters will allow as few as three people and as many as 12 people. So if you split up the cost among a few people, it's not crazy expensive. You're very likely to catch some good eating fish. And these days, good fish like snapper and grouper or grocery stores are $25 a pound. So you can come back with an up. You can come back with several 
pounds of some really tasty fish. Kobe is good. We've had that. We love snapper. It's one of our favorites. Especially if you do a half-day charter and you come back with $300 worth of fish yeah. um, that you would normally pay. And, you know, frozen correctly, fish lasts for a good amount of time in the freezer. I think it was cobia that they said you, we, you should eat right away. Didn't we eat the cobia? We did. Yeah, yeah. The, some, certain fish freeze better than others, and right. cobia is one you want to eat. Cobia yeah. is a real trophy fish. Uh, captains actually cite fish for those and catch those. That's a big deal. If you're planning to go offshore and you're thinking about it, the water can be rough and the boat may rock a lot and you may get seasick. I got seasick once in the Navy. It's a fairly miserable experience. There's a relatively new technology from a company called Seakeeper, which makes a stabilizing gyroscope for boats. We've actually seen it in the past at the Tampa Boat Show. Uh, it's a really cool technology and it eliminates about 90% of the rolling of the boat from port to starboard, which is left to right or right to left. Uh, Seakeeper's website has a list of charter captains that have a Seakeeper equipped boat on their website. So if you're concerned about, hey, I want to go off fishing, but I get seasick or my kids or my spouse or whatever, whoever's going to get, might get seasick, uh, take a look at their website uh, for those boats that are Seakeeper equipped. There are 11 listed for Florida, and we'll put that link in the episode notes as usual. There is actually one dive operator, Diver's Paradise, running out of Key Biscayne, not far from Miami. Both our dive boats are equipped with Seakeeper, which is terrific. Uh, we've been out in some rough water sometimes fishing. The last time we were scuba wind, diving, wind, it was windy, really rough, really rough. rough. So the next time we're down in that area, we're going to uh, try to go out with those folks. And they're kind of a really good operator in that area. And we've not dove in that area. So we want to check that out. The fishing in Florida is good year round uh, with different species available at different times of the year. There's really not an off season for fishing. I mean, there might be seasonal for particular fish, but there's no real off season for fishing. We have good weather. We have the natural migration of different fish species. Uh, March is the beginning of tarpon season, which is a really big deal here in Florida. If you're not familiar with tarpon, there are really big fish that fight well. So if you're you know out and you really want to have a good battle yeah. catching a fish, tarpon is what you want. They look like big. Um, they look like giant prehistoric minnows. They can get to as much as two hundred pounds. And while you can catch them around most of the state, the most popular spots are Isla Morada in the Keys, Stewart on the East Coast, and Boca Grande on the Southwest Coast. Isla Morada is the most popular and best known. And if you're going to book a tarpon charter, book it early because they are really, really popular. A few years back, we were scuba diving in St. John, and we were down about 50 or 60 feet, and we had a school of tarpon swim by just a couple of feet over our head, and it, it literally was. They were like these prehistoric, huge, prehistoric huge, minnows with these, you know, these crazy-looking m- mouth and teeth. And, yeah, they got that minnow, goofy minnow jaw thing yeah. that they have. I, I was stunned for a second. I looked up above me, and I was like, I couldn't believe I was seeing a school of tarpon swim right over our heads. That's just... So that's how they they school people now go out and film fishing videos. The professionals do with drones, and you can see them schooling. But to have them school right by your head when you're school, when you're beneath them, that was really an amazing experience. But yeah, to Heather's point, tarpon fishing is cultish. It's very much very popular, and for the hardcore fishermen, there are people that fly fish for them, which completely blows my mind. They can they can land a tarpon with fly fishing gear, but people do it. But it's especially popular in Isle and Boca Grande. So looking for so a little side note when looking for a charter boat and a captain, um, I'd recommend finding one that has a toilet on board, especially if you're bringing children with you. Most boats are um, in the 26 foot range and will probably have, you know, restroom a or toilet, yeah. a little spot maybe to get out of the sun if you're taking kids with you. Yeah. If you're look, when you're looking at the charters, um, yeah, again, with kids, it's nice to have a toilet. The center consoles, the larger ones have a toilet in the center of the console. It's a step down thing you go into. You don't have to have a large boat to have a, a usable private 
private toilet on a, on a fishing charter. The best website to do research in book charters is fishingbooker.com with a complete list of charters for anywhere in Florida and for the U.S. for that matter, with reviews, pictures, pricing, everything. Yeah, they also have recommended ones like the ones that have been top rated. So it's a great place to, to go look for, for charters. If you don't want to spend the money to hire a charter because it's kind of pricey, you can book a trip on what's called a party boat. Now, it's not called a party boat because there's a party on it. Uh, it's it's good, basically called a party boat because there's a party of a lot of people on there. Uh, party, it's basically, party, what's that? Party of five. Party of five, yeah. It's basically an open trip to anyone, not like a private charter. Uh, so anybody can be on board. So the only drawback potentially is or maybe you got somebody on board that's not as nice as you would like, whatever, but you're there to fish. You'll have several dozen people on them on a given day. Practically everybody has really good experiences on party boats. I've heard nothing but good reviews, and you're highly likely to catch fish. Other boats, the captains know know how to get up the reefs and know how to get there. The great thing is how inexpensive it is. A half-day trip is only between $60 and $75 per person, and they run two trips a day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon that goes into the evening. Some of them have night fishing trips as well, usually on the weekends. Uh, don't forget to add a tip in for, for the mate on that 10 to 20%. Uh, the boats have a lot of good inside space, bathrooms dinettes you can sit down and have a snack and they'll typically clean your fish for you definitely tip them if they do that party boats are especially good for taking kids since they're you know they're 30 dollars a person that's a pretty cheap thing to do it with your kids and there's places for them to go inside and sit down when they get hot or tired and you know you're standing by the rail fishing and daddy i'm tired go go inside and have a cookie or you know bring a juice box or something with you uh, and the captains are ex- exceptional for the most part at getting kids with fi- the, with fish the captains will cast catch a fish, hand a rod to the kid, and the kid gets to bring it in. It's very exciting. So they're great at that, and they want you know families to have a good time fishing and for kids to enjoy fishing and learn how to fish themselves. When we were in Key Largo, there was a restaurant near the marina where we stayed, and you could bring – first of all, it was really fun to walk around and see the different names of the different boats and the sizes and what they had to offer – there were some that specifically said we love having kids on board and you know we really want to make sure the kids have as good a time as anyone because we're starting out teaching these kids to fish and when you have a reward of fishing you know you get a fish that that makes you a fisherman for life, for life. yeah also though the restaurants around will also take generally will offer to take your catch and prepare it. So you'll still pay a fee for the preparation. It's not like you take your fish in and it's completely free. But it's a really fun experience, again, to extend the day and take your food in and have it cooked by the chef. And ask your captain, too, if you've got fish that you want to take to a restaurant, just ask the captain or the mate, hey, where's a good restaurant nearby that's good at cooking this or whatever? And they inevitably have two or three that are great restaurants anyway. But it's really fun to have your own catch made for dinner fresh from the water. And it's something that the chefs are used to. Yes. Let's talk about surf fishing. I actually think it should be called beach fishing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We've personally done quite a bit of surf fishing in other states, and we really enjoy it. It's popular along the eastern seaboard of the U.S., um, New England, Delaware, North Carolina, and the surf fishing in Florida is just as good. The weather lets you surf fish all year. You can expect to catch pompano, flounder, black drum, sharks, redfish, Bluefish. What is it? Isn't that a? Isn't that a? Um, you know, Doctor Seuss, redfish, bluefish, bluefish, Jack yeah. Crevels, you, you fish, yeah, yeah Spanish <laughs> mackerel, ladyfish, um, Atlantic croaker. We loved surf fishing with our kids when they were a lot younger because you know you're on the beach, the kids can play in the sand while we fished, and then the kids can get excited when you catch something. Then they're just ready to come up, try it as well because they see the success. 
The best way to get started is to find a good local bait and tackle shop near the beach where you're going to fish. They're going to be able to tell you the best places to go, get you set up with the correct tackle, bait, accessories, all those different things. Their websites usually have regular fishing reports, so you can do some research in advance before you go. There are multiple surf fishing guides around the state, mostly on the east coast of Florida, but they and they typically charge around $300 for a half day. And they'll take care of all the tackle, bait, they'll bring a cooler and chairs. That's about half the cost of an inshore or offshore charter. Um, we've been in touch with a surf fishing guide in uh, Cocoa Beach, Captain Lucas from Cocoa Beach Surf Fishing Charters. He does both charter boat guiding and surf fish guiding, and he says he uses a surf fishing technique where he matches the hatches of what the fish are doing and eating that particular time of year. So we're planning to do a trip with him in the near future. So look for a YouTube video. Now let's talk about freshwater inland fishing. When we first moved to Florida, I was really surprised to learn that there's actually more freshwater inland fishing in Florida than there is saltwater fishing, which is kind of amazing because you see so many fishing shows and Florida is one of the best places in the country to for saltwater fishing. The reason that there's more uh, freshwater fishing is because there are literally thousands of ponds and lakes in Florida, a lot of them in central Florida where we live, that are full of bass, bluegill, and other species. You can buy fishing gear at a local bait and tackle shop if you can find one. Um, if not, Walmart, Dick Sporting Goods, Academy Sports, and Bass Pro Shops are your best bet. Here, here in Central Florida, we do what's called pond hopping, since there's ponds everywhere. Pond hopping is where you walk or drive quickly between multiple ponds in one trip looking for bites. I've got a special backpack called a pond hopper bag that's basically a small bag with a single sling designed for quick movement between ponds. I enjoy fishing in the evening after work and usually get something. A couple weeks ago, I caught eight fish, mostly bass, with some bluegill in about 90 minutes near our house. If you see a decent-sized pond in Florida, it almost certainly has fish in it. Our local Publix has two, our grocery store has two ponds behind there, and I see people fishing back there quite a bit. Looks like some contractors like to take their lunch break back there, and they keep tackling their, their trucks. Which and the is pond hopping in the fresh water is catch and release. Yes. You, you can, but everybody pretty much, you can keep a bass if you want, but generally it's, it's catch and release just out of conservation. Most people outside Florida aren't aware that there's some really great lakes and some excellent bass fishing around Orlando, including a fishing trip inside Disney, inside the park. You can do it on a pontoon boat. If you're going to fish around that area, I would definitely consider hiring a guide. Um, I've done guided bass fishing trips in Georgia and Tennessee in the past, and it's really great to have a guide to show you around and put you on the fish. Uh, one guy in Orlando has a two-and-a-half-hour trip for only $225, which is really built for kids who don't have a long attention span. Florida is also home to Lake Okeechobee. That big hole in the bottom half of the map of Florida is Lake Okeechobee. It's a giant lake. It's one of the best, best bass fishing lakes in the world and home to a lot of professional tournaments. Definitely get a guide if you're going to go fish Okeechobee. The water's different, of course, around the different parts of the lake. LakeOkeechobeeBassFishing.com is the best website about fishing in that area and includes a list of guides. So if you're doing the bass fishing in a large lake and you're paying $225, is that for the whole, everyone who's on the boat? I think it's two people. Okay. And then I think there's a fee for one more, but you wouldn't put more than maybe two or three put more than three on a bass boat anyway. Gotcha. And the nice thing too, when you go out with a fishing guide, they have a, they have big bass boats and a ton of electronics. They're very, very well rigged. A lot of the guys that are, um, and gals that are fishing, bass fishing guides are people, they're semi-pro or pro fishermen. Uh, on the weekends of tournaments and they, they guide during the week. So it's a great way. I had a great business discussion with our guide about how he paid for his boat and his gear and how his sponsorships all work. And it's kind of a slow day of fishing, but I had a great conversation with a guy who's a professional fisherman. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. 
Florida is one of the best places in the world to go spear fishing. And while it's most popular in the Keys, there's a lot of places to go around the state. There's a lot to learn about spearfishing, especially a long list of what fish you can't legally spearfish. There's actually the list which you can is shorter than the ones you can't. So you could get in trouble if you caught, if you speared one that is not legal, like Pompano. So we strongly recommend going on a charter for your first few spearfishing trips. There's an excellent blog post on fishingbooker.com, that site we talked about a few minutes ago, about spearfishing. And of course, I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. A lot of people don't know that Florida has a scallop season, or scallop. It usually runs between July 1st and September 24th, and it varies from county to county. The scallops are small bay scallops, and they're really tasty. They You can use them in ceviche. They're um, like single bites, right? They're like a little single bite, almost the size of the tip of your thumb. You know, small, not a not a big one. You can go on your own if you know where to go, or you can get a charter for it, which can be also a fishing charter on the same trip. It's only about three to six feet of water, so it's easy. You don't have to have like scuba gear, a snorkel and fins, life jacket is probably all you need. But the funny thing is scallops swim really fast and they're in the grasses. So you just are really floating around with your snorkel above the water looking for the grasses and you just sort of reach down and move the grasses around and it's almost like a cartoon. They f- they flap their shells to, to get water in them to move yeah, around. they swim like so crazy. So they're really, but you can you can get about a gallon of scallops in each per day. Per day. Yeah. So that's a lot of scallops. Yeah, the first time we saw a video of them, someone trying to catch them, they were swimming away. We like we laughed. Like I did not know scallops could swim, and did not know they could swim that fast. And but, it looks like something out from SpongeBob SquarePants. Right. It's, you know, it's just total cartoon, very thing. cartoon yeah, type goofy thing. Goofy looking. It's really funny. The other um, season that a lot of people don't know about is spiny lobster. Spiny lobsters are the baby cousins of Maine lobsters, but they don't have any claws, and they're, they have a smaller tail. There's a two-day mini-season on July 26th and 27th, and then there's a regular eight-month season, which is August to March. You can snorkel. Um, it's commonly called free diving or scuba dive for lobster. You definitely have to go deeper. So if you don't have you know, strong lungs to hold a lot of air, um, definitely uh, take your scuba gear. It's easiest to get a guided trip for your first time. Um, you do need to have um, gear for it, a gear and a fishing license for it, yes. specifically for the lobsters. Spiny lobsters, since they're um, lacking claws, are often to referred to as bugs. Bugs. Um, not really sure, except they do look kind bugs. of buggy. They do look kind Without of Without the bugs. claws, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Every July during mini season, there's a lobster festival called Bug Fest, and it's held in Lauderdale by the Sea, which is just a few miles north of Fort Lauderdale. This festival is like a big bucket list activity uh, for us. So when we get to the festival, we're going to do a YouTube video of it for sure. And we are going to eat a lot of, of lobster. lobster. Yeah, bug fest. There are, you know, they're small, but I've seen some pictures of some big ones, you know, the people holding their cats. There are some that are freaking huge, like anything. And part of the gear they use is a, uh, what's called a tickle stick, where they get the lobster to come out of the, out of the underneath the reef. One of the things about spiny lobsters, too, is that they are cleaned in the water so you don't take the whole spiny lobster onto the boat with you so you you're limited on how many you can get and all of that's in the information when you get your license right well we hope you've enjoyed this episode and the details as always will be in the episode description check us out on our youtube channel florida travel fanatics on our website at floridatravelfanatics.com and be sure to join that private facebook group we talked about earlier and if you're enjoying our podcast please tell your friends sunny days ahead 